Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I think get out of your head. I think look at the people, be curious. You know, it's not about what you have to do. It's about, it's more about what's going on around you. How does that work within your job or whatever? But most people don't think that way. So I had a decent amount of experience in the dieting space. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. My book, Naturally Thin, was on the New York Times bestseller list for 27 weeks. Um, And it was interesting because when I was trying to sell the book, nobody wanted to buy it. That's always my story. That was the same thing with the Skinny Girl Cocktail. Nobody wanted to do this idea. No one wanted to buy my book because they said that it needed to be six weeks to X pounds. That was back in the day where it was, you would see seven day diet and you would know exactly that on next Thursday, you're supposed to eat an egg white omelet and next Tuesday, oatmeal or oat bran and a couple of berries. And the truth is maybe next Thursday you would be PMS and you would want chocolate or not want eggs or whatever the reason is. Maybe you're hungover. Maybe you want something more hearty. And the word diet had the word die in it. And I, I, I despise the word. I really hate when you hear, particularly a mother, it's usually a mother say in front of their child and particularly a daughter, um, oh my God, my jeans don't fit. I'm fat. 
I was bad. I was good. I've got to diet. I've got to lose weight because kids, the younger generation, they absorb everything we say. They want to be like us. They imitate what we say and do, uh, whether they like it or not, it still just becomes part of them. And so this vernacular and this world of diet has evolved and changed in different ways. So when I was selling that book, no one wanted it to just be the emotionality of food. I call it food noise, the relationship that you have with food. They wanted it to be prescriptive. And I'm going to guarantee you that you do this for six weeks and you lose this many pounds or five days and you lose this many pounds because that's what people want to hear. So if some book says you're going to lose 12 pounds in six days, you know you're not really going to and you know it's not going to be real if you did. It's just making you feel better about it. Growing up in a house with eating disorders, I've been through seeing the magazines. You'd rip out Cosmopolitan or Mademoiselle or any of the magazines and you'd rip it out because it would tell you exactly what to eat. And ripping out that page was hope. Okay, I'm going to go buy everything. I'm getting excited. I'm starting tomorrow. I'm going to have a half a cup of brand cereal with a quarter cup of skim milk. I'm going to measure everything I eat. I'm so excited. Then you have to go out to dinner or have lunch with someone or you're not in the mood for that or you cook for your kids or you see your kid's chicken finger and like you get all messed up. So that's why diets really don't work. And when I had my wheat, egg, and dairy-free cookie company, they were low-fat wheat, egg, and dairy-free cookies and some brownies and blondies. They were delicious. I was a natural food chef long before that was in a local seasonal, you know, plant-based chef. This was back in 2001 before it was cool and hip and everybody said it. And being vegan was an alien thing. Um, Back then, no one had any of this shit. It was just like we have regular milk and we have skim milk and we have sweet and low and we have, uh, you know, it was equal and then later came Splenda. Okay, so when I had this wheat, egg and dairy-free cookie company, it was amazing. But the timing wasn't great because everybody was into low carb. It was all low carb and it was, everything was Atkins, everything was these fake protein bars. Everybody, you know, eating a piece of watermelon was bad. Eating a fake manufactured bar that tastes like chalk and chemicals and has this protein processed garbage powder was right. And it was so annoying. Everything was just like, kind of like it is now with the cheese crisps. And, but it was like these manufactured space food, protein copycats of everything. And we kind of moved away from that a little bit. Years ago, long before that, it was the exact opposite. Everybody every night ate a bowl of pasta with tomato sauce, but you couldn't have any oil anywhere near it because carbs could go with other carbs, which was tomato sauce. It was effectively food combining, but carbs couldn't go with oil. So steak could go with oil, chicken could go with oil, vegetables could go with oil, salad could go with oil, but carbs, bread could go with bread. Pasta could only go with pasta. And, and this is post Atkins diet. Like Atkins would never allow any of this, but this woman, Susan powder, who had a short bleach blonde haircut, go on talk shows and pile up baked potatoes and pile up pasta and say, as you can have, pile up pretzels, you can have as much of this as you want, as much, you can have 50 baked potatoes, as long as you have no fat with it. Carbs are great. All carbs. It was fat. That was the devil. That was the devil. Carbs are now the devil. So now the pendulum has swung again and we're in some weird keto universe, which I think is effectively saying like Atkins meets South Beach, except they're kind of allowing you to have maybe probably like healthier carbs, like brown rice or something. I'm not even sure, but I know that keto's the whole new thing now. And everybody's obsessed. And I just want to say, this is all crazy. This is all crazy, okay? 
None of this is moderation. None of this is a good relationship with food. None of this is balanced. Some people get mad because they have glucose issues. I understand that. If you, if you have to be in a state of ketosis, great. That Atkinside used to have you peeing on a stick to see if your body went into ketosis, which was good. And your breath would be bad and you'd be constipated. And that was good. Don't ask me why. But um, with keto, I think there are some medical reasons for some people. So let me just disclaim that. And I'm also not a doctor. I'm just commenting. But I do know that just being afraid of carbs is absolutely moronic. I don't care what anyone says. We can go throw it down. We can have a fight. I don't give a shit, but it's moronic. Like you have to eat some things in moderation. I eat bagels. People think I'm doing something revolutionary. Like I'm literally this crazy, reckless, evil Knievel because I eat bagels. Like bagels. I just ate a bagel 20 minutes ago. So that's what I have to say. So what do you all think of this? What do you think about low carb versus carbs versus keto versus South Beach versus Atkins versus all natural vegan? Another day we're going to do a whole thing on vegan because just because you're eating vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. There's a lot of garbage. Some of the frozen fake wings, fake burgers, fake cheese, fake pizza, fake shit, that's garbage, okay? So when if you're really being serious and legit about being vegan, it's not that easy. And it can be a little harsh on your stomach. So there's got to be a balance to all this, I have to say. My guest today is Chris Birch, founder and CEO of Birch Creative Capital. He has been an entrepreneur and active investor across a wide range of industries for nearly 30 years. He has contributed to the rise of multiple technology and luxury brands, including Faina Hotel Plus Universe, Jawbone, Tory Burch, Poppin, and Voss Water, among many others. Today, we talk about why you need to start your brand correctly from the beginning, how insecurity shouldn't hold you back, but be an aid to your success, the important difference between a business and a brand, and why you need to ride the waves of life. Chris really understands the behavior of consumers, and I think you're really going to learn a lot from this interview. Chris is awesome. He's passionate. He's crazy. He's fun. He's vulnerable. He's honest. He's driven. He's so successful. He's in everything. You cannot imagine how many businesses and brands he's invested in, started up his partners in, and he's just a really charismatic, successful person who you can learn so many things about. So you're Chris Birch and you've been in branding for how many years? Do you feel like, I mean, I feel like uh, you're a brand builder. Okay. So just a, a little history. So um, the first brand I built was Eagle's Eye. We sold sweaters to girls in college dorms, um, preppy clothing. We did monograms. We did um, Fair Isle sweaters. And we took the company, my brother and I, from actually zero to $100 million in a 20-year period. And wow. during that period, we literally created by design, by style. In other words, what's a cool looking sweater? What's a cool this? And we had a brand name and everyone knew it, but they knew it by the color and design. And back then, Ralph was starting um, and Tommy Hilfiger were starting. And they really understood the brand building. It wasn't until maybe... 10 years in that I understood how critical it is to build a brand and how critical it is to be disruptive. You're saying you were selling clothing and style. You weren't really branding. You weren't intentionally branding. 
So you were just doing a volume numbers business and you made a lot of money. So that's interesting. But don't take this the wrong way. You were being a garmento. You were moving as many units as you could, but you weren't building the lifestyle and the brand right. and, and the I, experience. And, and the, the difference between us and I think and everyone else and the reason we were so successful was we were really good at understanding our girl, right? We understood that she wanted little strawberries on her turtleneck or they wanted a sweater with a with their initials on it, but we were not building. You're 100% right. People don't know this, but I built Guggenheim, the asset management company. We we literally went in and that's in the banking world. We borrowed the Guggenheim name from the family and I put the capital up and we built one of the biggest uh, financial services companies in the world and we used the name and that was a circular brand. And I think it's critical today. There's two ways to go. And there is the way that if you have an in at Costco or at Walmart or anyone else, and you want to be the cheapest and the whatever, and you can get yourself in, you can sell big volume there. But they would be much more interested if you build a brand. So I am all about, everything is about building a brand. Right now I'm building three new brands. Uh, one's a fast food brand, but we're we're focused 100% on the full circle of a brand. I agree. So for those listening, I agree with Chris. It's like building a house. You have to start from the bottom and it's tedious, but if you build it wrong later, things will crumble. So you have to sort of start in a methodical way. And I call it the realm. The brand is the realm. You protect the realm and anything that is off the brand can pull the whole house down. So I feel that you have to be very careful. I think, you know, as what you're doing and you really understand it and it's I, you know, it's taken me a long time, but I would say I'm probably every brand that I build comes from the heart of one human okay and Mm -hmm. your brand this is about you it's what you want it's what you know the customers want it's knowing how to put it together and you're lucky because you have an instinct and i think when women are building a brand or men what we do and i love to do is i focus really deep and so i'm building Mm -hmm. a fast food brand which i'm very excited about in the salad category which is a drive-through so who's my girl right what and it's a you know more woman yeah. than male. What does she want? And so who is she? Mm-hmm. She's actually the brand I'm building. She's extraordinarily frugal. And when I say frugal, I love that quality, right? She mm-hmm. shops at Costco. She's you know has a household income of one hundred and ten thousand dollars a year. She cares about how she looks. She doesn't want to go to McDonald's and and eat all the time, but she doesn't want to spend eighteen dollars for a salad. So mm-hmm. I get into the character of one person. You are so fortunate. You build brands from one person and that Mm -hmm. person is a core group. So I always, always think about who's the the specific customer. How do I, what do I do to please her? And what you said is so right. Everything has to be full circle. Mm -hmm. And you take her with you, by the way, I was 30 something when I started skinny girl, I'm now a 50 year old woman who's interested in different things and home design. And so you take her with you, you, you evolve. Bethany is, a brand that's different than Skinny Girl and a different woman. I've accomplished different things. So it's very interesting. And what you said, I just want to remind everyone, when he mentioned Guggenheim, he's talking about not just branding as we know it in products and services and clothes. He took a name that's got street cred in the financial world and created a brand in financial services. I mean, that it, it could be anything. It doesn't matter if it's travel, straws, makeup brushes, you know, home design. But about you, so what was your relationship to money? and business growing up? So I was an upper middle-class kid. You know, I was 
about as literally as bad in school as any person's ever been. I was in the 1% bottom of the class, straight Fs, straight Ds. Uh, I had so many issues. I'm, you know, a bedwetter and was insecure. And I was struggling like you can't even imagine. And I had no self-esteem. And I was the, for the first six grades of my life, I was like last. So I had a lot of time to like focus internally, I guess. And then I went to a prep school in New England and I was the best athlete and that helped my self-esteem. So I always think it's really good for your moms listening. If you have that kid that's got ADD or has got a lot of learning disabilities, you know, it's kind of a gift, right? And and Bethany, I don't know if you were a good student, but you had this personality and this, this incredible charisma and curiosity. And a lot of times the kids that aren't the best students are listening to other things, listening as they should be focused on school, but what's going on around them. So yes. for me, money, I always wanted to be enormously successful. I always was very creative and, and I'm very fortunate in that respect. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico or Puerto Rico. My accent's not the best, but I'm trying. But I know Puerto Rico well. I've been there so many times. I Be Strong has done so many missions after Hurricane Maria. It is more than just a name. It is a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. The unique Bariqua spirit infuses the island's culinary landscape with a one-of-a-kind passion and point of view unlike anywhere else. I love Puerto Rico. I've been there twice in the last year. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. 
find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you derive self-esteem from success? Do you derive self-esteem from success? I do. I mean, I think it's something you know you've got. It's something you know you are. You can speak with authority on many things and know what you're talking about. People listen when you say something, even if you're wrong, which you probably often are. But people listen because you have a point of view and you're sharing it because of all the success you've had. By the way, good point. Um, I think that when I hit prep school, I was, you know, the first time I was a great athlete or not great athlete, good athlete, and then played in college. That gave me self-esteem. When I started in the world, you know, I've never had a job. So when I started selling door-to-door on college campuses, I had two things. One was fear, okay, every day. And I don't know you, Bethany. Up until I was 50, actually, I had the worst fear. I thought I'd go bankrupt. I thought mm-hmm. I would be successful. I had fear. I was finding my way. And I think a lot of young people, when they start a business, you're going to feel fear. You're going to like have nightmares and you're going to feel fear. Um, And by the way, I still think I'm insecure. You know, I still think that I'm a guy that um, probably needs too much attention or doesn't feel that great about himself. And I've been fortunate to be involved in hundreds of brands that people don't know about, whether it's Voss Water or Faena Hotel or Nihi Hotel or Jambox or Poppin, all of these brands I created but I think it's very important to stay curious, to stay whatever. And I think being insecure is okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay. I think, yes, do I, when I get in a room and I talk to people, people listen to me? Yes. And am I ignored? Um, no. But I feel that I want to feel that feeling of being insecure because I want to feel empathetic. Mm-hmm. Are you addicted to the idea? That's What a good question. Thank you. I love that question. (laughs) 
Um, I never look back. I built so many great companies, worked with so many great people. I never look back. I only look forward with the next idea, but very important. I need permission with the success of an idea I have to do another idea. So I can't wait. I have five, seven concepts I want to launch. I can't, I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. But unless I actually finish the three or four I'm working on and I win, then I don't really feel that I have the personal permission to start again. So I was once by the CMO of Beam Global called an idea hamster because I get the idea and I go off on it. But if it's um, this podcast or my cherry juice or something that is just launching, those are babies. So you can't have 10 babies at the same time. But you could have a baby when you have a college student because you're kind of you have a balance in the new idea and something that's already moving. So I think that's what you're explaining without it being that exact way. 100%. And the other good thing, which I get very excited about is uh, I think in the world I live in, I'm known to doing startups, but about 75% of what I do is invest in other extraordinary humans. So uh, whether it's Stodd or Solid and Stripe, or whether I have a mind in in Mozambique and we're doing beautiful jewelry, I also love to be the investor and be the partner alongside of the entrepreneur. I agree. So what was your biggest hit and what was your biggest failure? And have you had more hits or more failures? Because you could have had a massive hit and 10 failures and the massive hit outweighs the failures. No, so I've been really lucky. And um, I've had so many hits and I don't know why. I think I'm a good listener. And I think so, you know, whether it's popping off of supplies was a hit, whether it's the oh, wow. Baina Hotel was a hit, whether it was uh, Boss Water, Jawbone and Jambox, which I got off on. Obviously, Tory Birch has been one of my biggest hits where Tory and I created the brand from scratch and built that brand to, you know, it's an extraordinarily large brand today, worldwide. Um, I would say 90% of what I've done, fortunately, has been hits. And let me tell you why I think, then I'll tell you the failure. And it was a hard failure. Um, I believe that I'm fortunate is because I had a long time running one business. And I spent 20 years running one specific Mm -hmm. business. And that business was a hit from day one. Mm-hmm. Did I know how to build the brand big enough? No. Did I know how to do this? But I worked at it day in and day out. You know, you then you couldn't start a brand as easy. And then I've had the one big failure in my life, which is actually I always look back at it, is C Wonder. Um, C Wonder still exists today. It was Love by it. far the biggest brand I've ever built. It was a massive success initially. I was fortunate enough to do fun and happy product, whether it was clothing, whether it was home product, whether it was everything. And I take full responsibility. Um, you know, it was a difficult period. There was some some conflicts with my ex-wife, which made it more difficult. And I made some bad real estate decisions where I got a little ahead of myself. But I feel very blessed that when I get involved in a project, it tends to do well. But you know, when you have those big, real blowout flame outs, you feel really bad. You do, but but not just that it humbles you. It lets you know that the wolves are sometimes just sitting at the end of the bed. And when you got it going good, sometimes they're just going to come and it's going to be like the waves. The waves are great when you have a good set. Sometimes you walk in and you just can't get fucking two feet. You get pummeled, 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 and then you just wave and then it's calm and then you get a good set. But I think that's part of 
the whole thing. And, you know, you had already had money. If that kind of mistake had happened early in your career, it could have completely destroyed you. And 100% I say, agree. You know, you want to have your bigger failures in the beginning because you'll learn from them later and they could be way more expensive and damaging later. So you and I agree. I And actually, it's so funny. You said wolves at the bottom of the bed. It's like, whenever I'm doing well, I go under the bed. Mm-hmm. I go under the bed because I want to be humble. It's hard, right? It's hard. Just a bad set. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that you made me think of. So you you brought up the difference between a business and a brand. So there's an expression that I say that this guy, Breck, who's a life coach, told me years ago. He said, you can create a lifestyle out of a life, but you can't create a life out of a lifestyle. So if you have a good life and you're happy, you can go out and be superficial, buy nice cars, all that crap, but you can't make a good life out of the bullshit lifestyle stuff, right? So you cannot create a brand without a business. Couldn't agree with you more. You're, you you knew how to run a business because the truth is so many people could have a brand, but that could be just bells and whistles. If you don't know how to manage people, find the right people around you and run an actual operational business with intellectual property and uh, contracts and law and all this shit that bogs you down, that's all the weeds. That's what sucks you in. That's what I don't like the most, managing people, finding people, the weeds. So you knew how to run a business. So if you're starting a brand, understand the business of the brand. If you're starting just a business, just understand the business of the business. Couldn't be more right. You know, I actually think about that. I think of things in shapes, right? So I think, I think what's good with you is think of it as a circle. And let's just say you and I want to start a business. And let's just say we, we know the home business is really hot right now. Uh, and you know we know that women and men, and they're all redecorating their apartments, their houses. And the first thing they do is they buy a house. The next thing they do is they buy furniture. And the third thing they do is they buy the accessories in the house. And we we have a market. So if we're going to create a brand from scratch, and let's just free flow it, let's just call it um, Be Home, Be Home, because it goes Be Home or this or the Spotted Zebra or Be Home, which is great. Um, we need to have five aspects of it, and I think it's really important for people to understand. First thing we do, you and I do together, Bethany, and tick, let's say we don't have as much experience we have is we get to Alibaba, and we use Alibaba to look at products and what's the cost of those products on Alibaba. And then we go out and we do some shopping. We go to all the department stores and all the specialty stores. We want to know what product is available, what price point. So then we decide we have to manufacture this product at the right price, correct? Mm -hmm. So let's just say we want to do, uh, we love the idea. Our first product is we know that people love minerals and crystals, as you can see behind me. We're going to make fake crystal lamps, and we're going to be the best lamp supplier in the world for every house. And now we know how to manufacture it. We know how to price it. Mm-hmm. We want to price it so it's effective. Mm-hmm. We want to name it like a great name like Be Home. And then we want to build a team around it to build it. But you can do these small step by step, but you're right. You need to have every piece of that business filled out. Mm-hmm. It's not just an idea. Right. It's actually get it done. It's the execution. 100% execution. Right. So that's where we both we both understand that we both execute that. Do you consider yourself more lucky than smart? What percentage of each? Um, I would say a combination of both. I would say I position myself to be lucky. And I don't think that I'm that smart, but I really always position myself. And that can be as easy 
as going out and literally the best thing I ever do is I am wide open to humans. One of my best investments, a company called Elite Body Sculpture. It's unbelievable. It's in New York. It's in all the cities. I met the guy at a karaoke bar. He's six foot eight, Aaron, unbelievable person. And they do a liposuction, but they don't put you under. They do a new lipo. It's unbelievable. It's the most unbelievable thing ever. Wow. I meet him at a karaoke bar. I become his largest investor and his partners. I think I've been helpful in building the brand with them. And it's an amazing business. And how did I get that opportunity? I was at a karaoke bar. I talking to a guy. Right. Was that, was I positioning for luck? No, but I was open. Yeah, I understand. I was wide open. I didn't judge anyone. I wanted to learn. So the most important thing for me, when you ask, is curiosity. That's interesting because people have said they set themselves up for when the luck, like when all the fish come, that you have a net right there ready for if the fish happen to come, you're taking it to the next level. You are prepared and you have the net. But you're saying like you were, you're open, you're just breathing, you're enjoying the sunshine and you're allowing for the fish to come. It's interesting. It's a little more um, spiritual, which, which I like. Very important to have that charismatic openness and don't be so many people are negative, right? Like, oh, that's a stupid idea. No, don't be negative. Yeah, it's true. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico or Puerto Rico. My accent's not the best, but I'm trying. But I know Puerto Rico well. I've been there so many times. I Be Strong has done so many missions after Hurricane Maria. It is more than just a name. It is a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. The unique Bariqua spirit infuses the island's culinary landscape with a one-of-a-kind passion and point of view unlike anywhere else. I love Puerto Rico. I've been there twice in the last year. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. 
In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible... Uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us, so we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I talk a lot about old school hard work here. Like it's almost uh, an obsession because with Instagram, with filtering, with publicists, with bullshit, with media, with gimmicks, it's my job. It's just something I feel inside. It's my job to let people know none of this stuff is going to happen without the old school hard work. People want to cut corners. People want a fast track and you're on TV and all of a sudden you're going to be a billionaire and none of this stuff happens. It's really hard work. It is. You could be any of those, the Kardashians on that show. There's no way they became billionaires by not working hard. The most important thing is how do you tell people what to do by being kind and warm enthusiastic? So for me, the most important thing is I think you need to work with people to make them better and better and give them the credit and give them the emotional Mm -hmm. support. If you have someone working around your house and helping you, you just say, you're incredible. And one of the mistakes in leadership, I think, that we all make is we get in our own head. Mm -hmm. And I think that teaching people and then letting them know how good they are and how much you appreciate it and doing the things when they need it the most is really good too. So I think there's... I agree. And I think it's really... You know, I don't know if you've found this, but 
90% of people that I interview, I ask them, what are you thinking about when you walked over here or came to the interview? And I said, don't tell me about talking with me. What were you really thinking about? And they all think about what they personally have to do today. Mm. And I think, get out of your head. Mm-hmm. I think, look at the people, be curious. You know, it's not about what you have to do. It's about, it's more about what's going on around you. How does that work within your job or whatever? But most people don't think that way. Yeah, I like, it's true what you're saying. We, we, I just did like a big move and I know it's moving fast and it's a grind and you kind of want to let people know if it's giving them, you know, a bonus or a massage or something, you want to let them know that you realize it was a crazy week and you just want to do something to let them know that you appreciate it. Cause the game moves really quickly. You've got so much going on. So that's excellent advice. Um, so you've built so many other people's brands. Is that by no pun intended design by intention? You know, it seems like you've craved attention in your own way because you've gotten some of your self-esteem through this success. So have you ever wanted it to be with see wonder your own thing? And that bothers you that it's other people's brands or it's about money and success and the idea you don't care who gets the credit. Do you care that people don't know that you own part of the Faena? I would care. No, I mean, I created the, you know, let's be honest. I created the Faena. Alan was, Alan was an artist. And so he and I got together and I put him in front. Faena, for anybody who doesn't know, the Faena is a totally a brand. And it's an amazing hotel and residence in Miami. And they own a lot of other things. And it's beautiful. And it's got the signature red and the signature scent and an amazing lounge called the living room that has amazing music. And it's got a sexy vibe and a big Jeff Koons, massive Jeff Koons. What is that, a dinosaur? Yeah. Well, so everything I've done, like, um, so I went to I went to Argentina and we bought, my brother and I bought the biggest property in Argentina. And then we took Alan, who was an artist, who had a vision to do this. And we put him in front. And then I sold the company. So the one in Miami, I'm not involved with. But Poppin's the same way. No one even knows that Poppin, the office supply company I created, it's it's fun. And there's so many other businesses like Nihi, which I finally put my name on, which is was named the best hotel in the world and we're rolling out. I've always been so interested in what I'm going to build in the future that I don't need to take credit for the past. But uh, you know, I am glad you asked because there's so many businesses I'm involved with. So there's a business called Stod, S-T-A-U-D. It's going to be one of the biggest brands in the world in female apparel. And I met Sarah when she was doing $250,000 in sale, just had two items. I came in and really, I think she'll tell you, helped her build out the company. The company is going to do $40 million this year in sales. It'll be a massive brand around the world. And I brought our team in and the president, John Ziders, and the whole team. And you know what she did, which was... a she called me up and she said, I want to thank you because you have been a, such a good friend and good mentor. And I know it's my brand, but you've done such a wonderful job behind the scenes. And I'm a you know major stakeholder, like 40% of the brand, but it's her design, her mm-hmm. merchandising. But it's nice to be appreciated. And sometimes when I create new brands, like the new fast food chain, you know, it's... Um, this is what's so interesting, Bethany. I get so much pride out of all the people that have made money with me. And the only reason I would want to be out in front is to do what you're doing, is to be able to teach young people with credibility how to build a business, how to be great, how to great life. Uh, I've had depression twice in my life with anxiety. So my voice becomes much bigger. 
when they know how successful I am in a bigger, larger way. So to make my voice bigger for the last chapters in my life, the last quarter, I want people to know. Mm -hmm. But for my own ego, I don't really care. I understand. You know, Tori will tell you right now, if you ask Tori, that she and I built the business together. Um, We're very, very close. She took that business after I left with her husband now, who's the CEO, and it's extraordinary. It makes me so proud to have created that business from scratch with Tori, working on the merchandising design, building the business with her in the first seven or I guess was nine years, and then she taking it from there. But we were a team and we Mm -hmm. built a great brand and that brand is a worldwide brand. And, you know, her team has now made it much better. That, that I love. So, you know, we talked about money noise and how you grew up before. So when we were growing up, there were millionaires. They weren't billionaires, like billionaires, you know, now there are, you know, it's sort of this benchmark. So what does that mean to you? That word? Is it like, if you were just shy, would it annoy you because it is just a mark? Like, for example, I'm not a billionaire. I don't really, I don't have a lot of money noise anymore and I'm, I'm successful, but it would be nice to be that only because it's like, it says like, fuck you. I did it. You know, being on the cover of Forbes magazine for me was like that. That was like the notch in my belt. So it's not necessarily for people about the money, but it's about the meaning. And I wonder what that means now. And it can be douchey now too in this world. So it, it has different meanings. I wonder what that word means. I, I like the fact you know, that I'm over a billion dollars and I'd like, I would like long-term to make much more, but I'm not driven at all by money. And that sounds, uh, I mean, that sounds kind of what it sounds like bullshit, but it's true. And I get it. It's it about, is. It, yeah, it, it's, it's like, trust me, when I was 20 to 40, I was very driven by success and money. And I was very driven by buying beautiful houses and, and everything else. And I was very driven by not failing. And as I've gotten older, I'm really, and this sounds hokey, but it's true. And anyone that knows me, I am much, much more excited about other people's success than mine. Wow. Well, did you feel like the emperor totally has closed or, or do you feel like you've overshot the mark? I overshot the mark from like the first year of my business. Wow. You know, I didn't have any reverse in my car because my parents, you know, didn't give me any money. And I was successful almost in two years. And I, and by the way, I didn't spend any of the money, right? That was a mm-hmm. generation where, and this is a really good point of view with, I think a lot of the people listening to the show with your advice are going to be enormously successful. And I think you're giving them such great sound advice. And I can tell you one thing, tell them, it's much more fun to look at something you can buy and not buy it, but know you have the money to do it than to buy it. Mm. And my daughter, Izzy, who I adore, I have six children. One time we were, she wanted a pair of roller skates so bad. And my first wife and I were really strict. And finally I get her a pair of roller skates and she roller skates around the driveways and comes back and she goes, dad, I have to be honest, wanting was better than getting. Interesting. And I think, I think of all those entrepreneurs out there that if you can say I can buy a Mercedes or I can buy something I want, I have it, and use that money to actually invest back in yourself is better than going out and buying something. I don't know if you feel the same way. 
there's certain things I collect. I, I'm a watch collector, but I, I'm like a heat seeking missile. I don't just go buy everything on the buffet. I wait until there's something I really do want. And, but you are right. The coveting is interesting. And co- if you're collecting things, then things can be interesting. But otherwise I like when a car gets older, I like buying older used cars. Everybody has everything and everybody's competing with everything. So what's the worst is you could go want something and then you get it and you just see five people with it. So it sort of ruins it. You'd almost rather have some beater car that nobody has than some fancy thing that you wanted so badly and you got and you're like, shit, somebody else has it. So I don't like uh, something that somebody else has. I do... um, I love this home space. We should talk about it. I I can't tell you how much I love it. And what's going on right now in home decor and design in the affordable space is extraordinary. What you can buy that some, you can buy things that literally look like $3,000 for $100. And I'm not kidding. Like things that are in my home that I will not tell people where I get them. People come over and be like, Oh wow. What's that real major designers. And I say, I found it because I'm a hunter. No, but it's, you know, it's like, um, I don't know if you know this, but when I did Tori, uh, because I'm obsessed over supply chain. So I spent so much time in China and, and Indonesia and all over the world. And I was, you know, being a hunter in China is really exhausting. So this was back about nine years ago. And I had a vision for very chic stuff, beautiful stuff made in Asia with great quality and everything. And when I started out looking, I literally was in a van and, and, it's hard for people on the show to understand the size and scope of China, but imagine a thousand New York cities. I mean, it's, it's that oh massive. God. And then I would go to the Canton fair and I'd see this stuff and I go, Oh, they can make something very chic. And I'd say over the last eight years, the design to chicness and the beautiful ability of stuff is unbelievable. I can't believe it. And in the beginning, I couldn't find it. And now I think there's, you can find the most chicest stuff. And the stuff that you may have seen in a beautiful house outside of London Mm -hmm. that was like $10,000 and now it's $80. Yeah. And that's a piece of advice for people. If you're building a house or renovating, it matters the materials you use within the structure of the house. But I'll say to designers that I'm working with or collaborating, I'll say, I'll spend on the walls, the floors, the caulk, the top. I will not spend a lot of money on the furniture, maybe little pieces, but I'm just saying it's just a side note because this is Chris's business. It's very interesting where and how you decide to spend, which is well, you you and I actually are very similar. Interesting. Like it's kind of interesting and we haven't spent that much time together, but we're both hunters. Mm -hmm. We're both curious. We both love value, right? Yes. Yes. We have a lot in common because everything you're saying is what I stand for. Nothing makes me happier in the world to find beautiful things for less money, it just makes me happy. And when I get a little down, I'm tired, exhausted, I'll drive to a Costco, I'll look in the food, I'll look at that strip steak, I'll look at the value of some of the great quality items, and it just makes me happy. And no one wants me to go to Costco, uh, no one that works around me or whatever, because I will get my credit card out and I'll spend $2,000. So I've been banned from Costco because I find it to be extraordinarily great in the food and cat. Now, would I like to help Costco on their taste level of some of the furnishings, what's in there, yes. or their clothing? Yes. And could they get better and what they do? 100%. But when it comes to certain quality products, 
that's my place. To, and by the way, the free samples aren't bad either, now, but you know, you have to get them on weekends. Well, so. it's so funny you say that because I once got into an argument with somebody over the last roast chicken. Costco has an incredible roast chicken that on, I think it's only on, for some reason it's on Fridays. Like you can't get one. There's some whole thing. But um, I was once doing a book signing in Costco and no one showed up. And I was so excited because I was running up and down the aisles and I was thrilled by like, just hearts of palm and the dried blueberries and they, Oh, it's incredible. And, and, and their roast chicken, they sell at a loss. And <laughs> I always have, um, now I went to Trader Joe's for the first time, which people love. Wait, no, you don't under, don't say you don't love it. Don't say you don't love it. No, you love well, okay. Do you want me to, do you like honesty or do you, so let me tell you, I went to Trader Joe's. I All was right. blown away. I could not believe how inexpensive it was. I walked okay. out of there. I'm like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got it. And so I just had the pizza, which is the most unbelievable pizza I've ever eaten. And I'm like, why am I ordering pizza takeout when it comes in soggy and I want my pizza crispy? So I'm now a big fan of that. I happen to like their two flavors of ice cream, my huge, but I feel like I'm cheating on Costco. I've actually had a lot of guilt because it's, you know, I don't want to go for the younger, cooler woman with the, with the, mm. right. And so there's a little bit of like not feeling so good. So, um, the only thing reason Costco's got a little more selection. And, um, but I was uh, blown away. And the fact that I hadn't gone shows you well, I'm a dude and I'm not like necessarily shot, but I was blown away. My entire cart was like $89. It would have been, at a normal supermarket, like $250. And, but they've done a really effective job from a branding perspective. Great for people to listen to, thought a lot about it. They literally took the details. So they took the big picture. They made you want to eat it. They understood that you have to be able to see a product if it's in a brown paper bath. And where Costco uses Kirkland and they really haven't you know, they, right. it stands for quality. Their approach is a basic bag and you get it. But I, I, I was blown away. I thought it was great. And, you know, so to me, and for all quality and taste. And value. And, and value are what the world wants mm-hmm. is what you can create good business for and whether, you know, and then brand it. I think my favorite thing I told all my sons, I told them two things in life, only two things. Do as you say, say as you do. Don't bullshit. If you say you're going to go do something, do it. Like if you commit to someone for a dinner party and there's someone, a better dinner party, I would only go to them with commitment. And then the other one is rejection is your best friend. Mm -hmm. Rejection is, if you get rejected, you go, thank you very much. You go to the next person. Yep. You're amazing. This was an incredible conversation, as I imagine, but I always learn so much more about people that I already know. I mean, I've learned so much. You are just a visionary and you deserve your success and you're going to help a lot of people. So I'm so excited. I'm grateful that you gave me the time. Well, what I find so fascinating is that philosophically, you and I are, 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 have the ribbons of the same feeling. So it's really great to know you. I, I've heard so many great things from my friends about you, and I wish I could spend more time with you. And congratulations. I'm really happy for you. Have a great Bye. day. Bye. Well, that was excellent. Chris Birch is really a business branding behemoth, and most people don't know that. So, 
it always gives me great pleasure to have these conversations here that even most of the information I don't know, even though I know him. So I just feel like you know, we're opening up presents, every conversation and figuring out different ways to be successful, different ways to do it. Please go back, listen to all the podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. We're learning something different every day about a different type of business person, entrepreneur, brand builder, uh, philanthropist, you name it. So that was amazing. And I just, that was such a great conversation. I'm so grateful. is hosted and executive produced by me, Bethany Frankel. Just Be is a production of Be Real Productions and iHeartRadio. Our managing producer is Fiona Smith and our producer is Stephanie Stender. Our EP is Morgan Lavoie. To catch more moments from the show, follow us on Instagram at Just Be With Bethany. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP the Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.